Oh! 
those who have and those who do not, God. And we love you in Jesus' name.
Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Welcome to Firstborn Ministries. We are so glad that you are here today in our second service. Amen. To all of our guests, welcome. We are so glad that you have come to where we are taking Jesus as he is to people as they are. I want to sing one more song here this morning. What a wonderful job the praise team has done. Great job, everyone. Great job. Amen. Let me get situated here. All right. Amen. You probably know this song. Sing it along with me. Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. For it was grace that brought my liberty. I do not know just why He came to love me so. But He looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. And I shall forever lift mine eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me. And how marvelous the grace that caught my falling soul. He looked beyond my faults and so my need I shall forever I shall forever lift mine eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me how marvelous the grace that caught my falling soul. He looked beyond my faults and saw my needs. I'm so thankful for that today. He looked beyond my faults and saw right to my need, right to the heart of the matter. Amen. I know there are many needs in this place here this afternoon, but we do have a couple of needs that we want to make known. We need to pray for Erica, a young lady named Erica. This is a daughter of someone Sister Robin Maynard works with, and her mom last week came specifically to Sister Robin and said, I have seen the miracles that are happening at your church with Kyle Montgomery. And my daughter needs a miracle. <laughs> God works through mysterious ways. <laughs> she said, my daughter has some severe problems. She has a tumor on her. And she said, but I truly believe if your church prays, 
that when the doctors go in, the tumor would disappear and be gone. And so she said, we'll pray for her. And so remember Erica, Sister Helen Lawrence, I think she might be sitting out in the parking lot here today. Uh, she has sickness in her body. They keep moving up a surgery that she needs. And so let's just pray for her. And I know there are many other prayer requests in this place. But if you can, can we just go to the Lord one more time here this morning before we change the order of the service to teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Lord, we come before you this morning, this afternoon, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for the mighty works that we have seen. We thank you for the miracle signs of wonders. Lord, you are performing a miracle in Brother Kyle Montgomery's life. And we pray again for him this afternoon. I pray that you would just touch his body. Raise him up, Lord. I pray that he would wake up in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would complete the miracle that you have started in his life. I pray for Erica this morning that you would just touch her body. Lord, I pray against this tumor that she has. I pray, Lord, that you would take it away, that the doctors would be amazed of what happened, and we will know what happened. It will be your miraculous power of your grace and your mercy that has touched her and healed her life. Lord, I pray for Sister Helen Lawrence, Lord. Lord, I pray against the sickness that has afflicted her body. Lord, I pray you would give the doctors wisdom in the name of Jesus. Heal her, Lord, this morning. I pray for all the other needs in this place. And those that are watching online, make a way, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And amen and amen. Philippians, the fourth chapter, and verse number 8. Philippians 4 and verse 8. Please also keep senior pastor uh, in your prayers. And uh, Brother Charles Maynard and Sister Sharon Maynard, uh, senior pastor's aunt passed away on Friday. And this is my grandpa Charles Maynard's uh, sister. And her name was Lorraine Ainley. And so we just need to pray for the uh, Maynard Ainley family here this morning, this afternoon. I keep saying this morning. Now we're, let's see, what time is it? Well, hey, it's 11.59, so still morning. But the senior pastor got a call late last night and asked if he would uh, conduct the funeral. And so he left uh, to go to Arkansas, northern Arkansas, southern Missouri, to perform that funeral for his aunt. So just pray for him as well. Philippians, the fourth chapter, and we're going to go to verse number 8. Very familiar passage here, Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue... If there be any praise, think on these things. You know, what's so awesome about this scripture is this. is He goes through the whatsoever things are true and honest and just and pure and lovely. If there's a good report. But then he adds to that and says, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, and he, I'm, I believe he's saying for anything... <laughs> Think on those things. Think on those things. We started a lesson series this last week on peace, the peace of God. We talked about Jehovah Shalom last week. And today, I want to talk on peace of mind. Peace of mind. God bless you. You may be seated here this afternoon. Thank you for coming. In Jesus' name. Water lapped 
at their feet as they stepped into the hull of that boat or stepped from the hull of the boat. The boats gently rocked in rhythm with the waves. What started out as a serene and peaceful moment on the lakeshore was suddenly disturbed by a piercing scream as a weathered, wild-haired, and naked man came running towards the men as they pulled their boats safely ashore. Jesus, he was intentional in setting his direction for this spot in the country, the country of the Gadarenes. And after a long day of teaching the multitude along the western shoreline of the Sea of Galilee, they made their way to the land of the Gadarenes. He knew what none of his disciples could have known. They were heading into a storm on the sea. And then they were going to confront the very forces of evil once they arrived on the opposite shore. God's merciful plan to bring hope and healing to the most desperate individuals was dramatically illustrated soon after the boats pushed up on the sand and the gravel of the shoreline. Suddenly, the raving maniac, the wild man of Gadara, threw himself on the ground in front of Jesus and began loudly proclaiming worship to Him. His contorted words were an acknowledgement of the Lord's deity and they were awkwardly punctuated with a plea for Jesus not to torment them. Jesus instantly addressed the evil spirits rather than the victim of the possession. He commanded the unclean spirits in Mark 5 and 8, come out of that man. Then Jesus asked for his name. I could see as the people stepped close to hear this man and what he would say. They had seen him around town, but was deathly afraid of him. They heard and saw his many issues. They waited for the response to Jesus. And what seemed like an eternity, the man answered and said, My name is Legion, for we are many. See, the demons that day had no choice but to answer. They begin to plead that the Lord would not send them into the abyss, preferring instead to be sent into a nearby herd of swine. Jesus allowed the evil spirits to enter the swine. And they immediately charged towards the sea and plunged over a cliff to their death. The change in the possessed man, only known as legion, was immediate. He was restored to his right mind. He put clothes on that were given to him. And he devoted himself to follow Jesus. The same crowds who had tried to restrain the man with chains, abandoned him in the tombs, grew accustomed to his rantings and curses and screams throughout the night, now came out of the town with great curiosity to what happened. The swine herders also came and they brought the news to the townspeople that 2,000 of their pigs, their livelihood, was dead 
and one demented man delivered. The gripping story of an individual so possessed by evil spirits that he was ostracized from society and resorted to living among the tombs. It was such an important story that it was relayed in every one of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew actually recorded the tale of two such possessed men in that same region. Perhaps these stories are the greatest examples of the difference it makes and the differences it makes when Jesus brings peace to troubled minds. And when those folks surrender their lives to the Holy Spirit rather than the evil spirits of this present world. Let me tell you today, my friend, that I have seen people bound by spirits. And I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit. The agony, the pain, the torment that is in their life. Wanting to be released. Wanting to be set free. I have also seen people under the influence, the spirit of alcohol. And it has tormented them. And it has tormented their families. I'm not just talking about being possessed by a spirit. And I have seen that. I am not trying to scare you here this afternoon. But I am trying to tell you there is a real spiritual world that we live in. There is a real world of good and evil and right and wrong. I have seen someone possessed with devils. I remember being here many years ago and right around in this area there was a, an older lady in her 80's who was demon possessed. Her family brought her here to try and get relief with the possession that she had. And I will never forget as she sat here and as we began to pray for her different spirits would arise in her and she would change her voice and she would sound just like a man. She would change her voice into a high pitched Maybe little girl's voice. She would change her voice to a multitude of different, uh, the spirits that were coming out and manifesting themselves. I remember she would kind of like almost snap out of it. And she would look up and she would say, that's good, I'm good. I'm fine now. But it wasn't her talking. It was the spirits behind her trying to get us, convince us that everything was all right with her now. But we would keep on praying for her and, and all of a sudden something else would come up and something else would come up and we cast it out. And all of a sudden it came down to one spirit and it usually does. And that was unforgiveness. Unforgiveness had opened her heart when she was a little child. And now all of these possessive spirits had attached themselves because of one thing. I remember stories from Pastor and Sister York of when this church first started and the battles, the spiritual battles that this church went through. Again, I don't share this today to scare you. I share this today to let you know that I have seen possession, but more than that, I believe most of the people that we deal with today have an oppression spirit upon them, not a possession. Each one of us can be oppressed by a spirit. 
I believe if you have the Holy Ghost, you cannot be possessed by an evil spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. But you can be oppressed by many spirits. I have seen it with drugs. They want peace in their mind. And the only way they know how to turn off their mind is through another pill, another drink, another puff. The addiction that controls them. The oppression that controls them. Where does it lead to, you say this morning, Pastor, let me tell you what it leads to. If God doesn't get involved in your life and you don't get right, it leads to a graveyard. Just like where we find this man in the Scriptures. Why? Because when sin has finished its course, it leads to death. This is where this man found himself. The graveyard. He was, I believe, about ready to be like those others that were in the ground, six feet under. I was listening to a radio station here, and they evidently this past week had fired someone on their station, and it was this man's co-host, and Heather and I were in the car, we were listening to this, and I just happened to hear at the end of this uh, man's shift, I researched it, and it, why this one man was fired, because he said some terrible things on, online, and so he was fired that day. Long story short, his co-host, who had to host by himself that day, he said this, I've had a terrible day, and I need to shut it off in my mind. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go have a few drinks. When I heard that, my heart broke for this man. The only way he understood how to turn off the enemy in his mind was one way. And that was in the bottom of a bottle. Anxiety is, is skyrocketing, they say, during the COVID-19 pandemic. And, and, and let me tell you, I know how heavy this is this morning. I, I, feel what, I feel that heaviness, all right? But God is going to do something in this service, I promise you. God, God really moved in our first service, and I believe it's going to be the same here today. Stay with me just for a moment. Anxiety is skyrocketing. With 30% of Americans saying the crisis has had a serious impact on their life. It's had a serious impact on their mental health. and It's affected their daily lives. That's according to the America Psych Psychiatric Association. There's a trauma therapist named Sherry Botwin. She's the author of Thriving After Trauma. Stories of living and healing. She, she explains that the social upheaval and anxiety from the virus have, may have long-term effects on our mental health, including causing post-traumatic stress disorder. She said these words, this is the first time that as I've been working as a therapist that I am at the same time experiencing the same type of trauma as well. I, I just want... To say this, first of all, I am not claiming those things here at Firstborn. But I am being real here this afternoon. There are real problems that are happening in society. And even in the midst of a church. I'm not here to sugarcoat something. 
or not to, and, and not to talk about it and push it to the side because of the heaviness or, or, or the, 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 the hardness of the, the topic. But I want to tell you, sometimes there is a stigma about mental illness in the church, PTSD. And we need to, I believe, yes, be completely whole in this life. And that includes and happens to be in the mind as well. God wants to be us to be whole and have wholeness. I believe in the power of prayer that God can take away anything. But let me tell you, when we have diabetes, we take medicine. We believe God is going to heal us, but until that day comes, we accept the knowledge that God has given us through our doctors to help control what is happening in our lives. I want to tell you this morning that you are not less of a person because you deal with mental illness. You are not less of a Christian because you have to take medicine for an illness. You don't have less faith because of a pill that you have to take in the morning or the evening. Let me tell you, I take a pill every day. I take a spray up my nose because of severe allergies I suffer from. I believe that God can and I will be healed from this. It doesn't diminish my faith when I take the pill in the morning. When I take it, I say, God, I believe. I trust in you, but you also gave me a doctor. So I don't have to go around and people are looking at me at coughing and sneezing and thinking I got COVID. People that were surveyed about a month ago, half are worried that they can't pay their bills. 55% are worried that their money will run out. 52% that says that financial concerns affect their parenting. 50% of all the people in this survey said social isolation is affecting their mind. If this hasn't bothered you, I thank God for that. And you can be the one to help someone else and to help someone have peace in their mind and in their heart. But sometimes, I don't think we say it enough, that we all struggle at times. We look at the pastor and we look at the leadership as superheroes. And, and I say, and you say, I, 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 how can I tell them that I'm struggling with depression? How can I tell them that I'm struggling with suicidal thoughts? How can I tell the pastor or the ministry that I'm struggling about not having a job? Because how will they look at me? How will they think, what will they think about? me and on the other hand there are some of you that have been in the church for many years and, and, and you say how can I tell them that I have a battle going on in my own mind and in my own heart when I've been in the church for 40 years I've had the Holy Ghost for 30 years or whatever it might be how can I be real about that will they hate me will they disown me will they look down on me let me be clear as clear as I can be I will never look down on you this church will never look down on you if you are a leader in this room and you are struggling you need to let someone know right now you need to let me know why so I can pray with you I can help guide you in the right direction I can tell you how much of a conqueror you are that you can do all things through Christ don't fight the battle all alone don't fight the battle with you and your doctor fight the battle with the men and women of firstborn ministries because we are here for you I love you
I want there to be peace in your mind. I want there to be peace in your heart. Sometimes the greatest lessons of Scripture come from the most unlikely places. The disciples would have never imagined that they would learn lessons from demons through the deliverance of this man named Legion. God sometimes speaks lessons through the most unlikely of candidates. If you look at the scripture in Matthew, the 8th chapter, you will find one of the renditions of the story. And you will look at verse 29 and you will see that even demons recognized that Jesus was the Son of God. They worshipped Him and more than that, they proclaimed His deity. Why? Because the demons believe in one God. That's what it says in James 2 and 19. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. If the devil believes in one God, (laughs) I think you and I should believe in one God because you will never see the triune of the Godhead. You will never see three gods or the Trinity in this book. You will only see there is one God. His name is Jesus. He manifested Himself in flesh and came to this earth. He died on a cross. He was, He is, and He is to come. When I get to heaven, I'm going to see one throne. There's going to be one sitting on the throne. And I'm going to bow and say, Jesus! Jesus! The demons said, Jesus, you Son of God, not God the Son, but Son of God, have you come here to torment us before the time? Even the devil and his little imps know there is an appointed time of judgment. The enemy knows his days are numbered. Thank you, Jesus. The vision of John revealed in Revelation 12 and 12, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the seal, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath. Why? Because he knows that he has a short time. The devil knows his days are numbered and he only has a short time. What does the scripture say about our own life? We are but a vapor, but yet we are here today and we are gone tomorrow. So the devil knows that his days are short. In one instance, of the, the Jesus is going to split the eastern skies and he's going to come back for his people. But he also knows his time is short with you. Because you're here one moment... And you're gone the next. And He is doing whatever He can on your life. He is throwing whatever He can in your way to trip you up and to oppress you and to put you down because He knows His time is short. Well, I know this. I looked at the back of the book. He might know His time is short, but I know that my 
time is I win. My time might be short or it might be long in this life. But at the end of my life, when I take my last breath, I win. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. When Jesus arrived on the shores of the Gadarenes, the spirit world was on high alert. Just like it is in this service right here. Let me tell you, the first service was the same way. On high alert, the spiritual realm. Why? Because the devil, the spirit of this world, he knew exactly what I was going to speak. Why? Because he knows all. Nah, uh, 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 uh. But he can look over my shoulder when I'm typing out a message. He can look over my shoulder when I'm, I'm putting out what I'm going to be talking about. The spiritual realm can. He understood that if he could just oppress you long enough if he could just put you down long enough if he could just put a blanket on this congregation long enough that you would walk out of here the same way that you came in but I come against that in the name of Jesus and I believe that each one of you are going to walk out of here different than how you came in there's going to be peace of mind there's going to be peace in your heart the oppression spirits that have attached themselves to you we're going to bind them and they're going to have to flee in the name of Jesus the name that is above every other name don't be afraid don't be fearful don't be fearful of the spiritual realm because we have the power to overcome the enemy and the devil himself hallelujah Say, Anthony, were you scared when you were up here with that lady? Are you scared when you see the spirit of this world manifest itself? No, 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 I'm not scared at all. I say, you lying good for nothing. You are just a liar and the father of it. You come out right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And guess what? At the name of Jesus, those devils have to flee as long as you yourself gives permission. I wish I could say this lady left free, but she didn't. She looked me square in the face and said, I will never forgive whatever it was. I will never forgive. I will never forgive. I said, ma'am, I can't be of any help to you. I can pray until I'm blue in the face. But unless you forgive and release, you will fight that devil, that possession, until the day you die. But see, there is one thing that the tormentor is tormented by. And that is one simple thing called peace. The very source of trouble is troubled by the thought of the arrival of the Prince of Peace. See, Jesus brings order in, in, from chaos. Harmony from discord. Peace in place of turmoil. 
This should be welcome news to anyone. The author of confusion is the tormentor, as the Scripture says. He's the author of confusion. The one who wants to do a quick work in you, but, but the Lord, He is the author of eternal salvation. And He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And, and Paul says this in 1 Corinthians, God is not the author of confusion, but He is the author of peace. What am I trying to say to you is Jesus wants to bring peace from the chaos in your life that is going on around you here today. He wants to bring the confusion into subjection and bring peace. Jesus. Now, think about this. Really think about this. As I'm hurrying to a close. The Lord is going to do something in our midst. Jesus, when he was on the other side, you got to see what Jesus left to go to the region of the Gadarenes. Jesus left a friendly crowd to go in a hostile environment. Opposition can make us feel like we have missed the will of God. Uncomfortable places can make us feel that we've gone the wrong way. We've missed it. But see, God's purpose is to see His glory revealed in us. And the greatest victory is only seen after our most greatest battle. The reason you have been in this battle of the mind, this terrible battle between your ears, is because of the great victory that is going to come out of it on the other side. Jesus could have stayed where he was welcome and wanted. But a demoniac would have never been delivered. Lord, I don't want to be where it's just comfortable. Lord, if you have to make me uncomfortable, make me uncomfortable to reach one. Paul said, I am all things to all men. Can I be honest with you here? I have not had the greatest comfort this year, and you say, yeah, me either. You know, I might, I might look like I'm really comfortable on camera, speaking to nobody in a room. But that's not really the truth. I can't say that if this didn't happen, like it has this year, that I would have ever preached to an empty room, not knowing if anybody was even watching on the other side. I would have never been on every night of the week with my family to try to bring hope to someone's life sitting in front of a phone. It was very uncomfortable. I don't say that to say, woe is me. No. No. 
I'm just trying to be real with you here. But God used the uncomfortable situation to show His power of bringing peace, first of all, to me and my mind, and hopefully to you. He was saying, Anthony, all I need is a willing vessel. Anthony, you don't need a crowd. Anthony, you don't need a packed out church. Anthony, all I'm asking for you to be is willing and open. And Anthony, if you are that way, I will use you in uncomfortable situations. There he left the safety and the shelter. The place where it says that Jesus brought many miracles healing of a leper, resurrection of the centurion's servant, restoration of Peter's mother-in-law. I mean, he, he didn't even cast out one devil possessed. He, it says in Matthew 8, he cast out many that were devil possessed. And he left there to go on the opposite side of the spectrum, there where they hated them, they hated the Jews, they didn't want anything to do with them. Why? Because Jesus said there's one man where I'm going to take you disciples to an uncomfortable place but I will bring clarity and peace to not only his mind but also to yours there at the end of the story he cast the devils out of that man The man said, I want to go with you. I want to go with you, Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, no, sir. You're not going with me. But I've been in this uncomfortable place a long time, Jesus. I've been in this battle of the mind for a long time. And now I can't even follow you back to the other side. Jesus said, no, you can't. Because I brought you to an uncomfortable place in an uncomfortable time to heal your mind and to reach every soul in this town on this side. I find it interesting that Jesus didn't change his name. You know, God had a way in the Old Testament of changing names. But he didn't change Legion's name. Jesus didn't even call him by his birth name. I believe the reason why is because Legion, everyone knows you by Legion. They don't know you by Bill or Matthew or Anthony. So Legion, you're going to have that name for the rest of your life. Not as looking at your past, but as a memorial to what I did for your future. Say, God, I don't want to be known as this for the rest of my life. And you're not. 
you were once a drunk and you came to God, you're no longer a drunk. Some of those friends that you got drunk with might still see you as a drunk. But when you come back around and you're known as the drunk, you can say, yeah, that that was me. But I have a free mind now. God delivered me. You might still know me as the drunk, but in just a little while, you'll see that I don't drink anymore. Legion went back into that place, and he said, you might know me as Legion. I got clothes on now. I cut my hair. I'm doing what's right. But the scars remained. They remained. Close with this story with one morning. The tide receded in the 1960s in the Hawaiian, one of the Hawaiian islands. Children ran out to catch fish in the tide pools left behind. Story says that they had never witnessed a tide so low before. It gave the kids an unprecedented opportunity to play and romp through the reefs that now protruded above the waterline like newly formed islands in the ocean. But what we didn't know was the ocean was preparing to unleash the largest tsunami our little sleepy town had ever experienced. Within minutes, a 60-foot wave charged our unsuspecting town with a force we'd never seen before. The hungry waters rushed inland and and like bony fingers, the water scratched and pulled homes and cars and possessions. And, and it took people back into a watery grave. The devastating power of the wave left in its wake twisted buildings, shattered windows, splintered homes, and broken dreams. This man who wrote said, I ran as fast as I could to our home where I found my wife sobbing uncontrollably. Robbie is missing, she shouted. Robbie is missing. I can't find Robbie. Robbie was our six-month-old child who was asleep in the house when the ocean raged against our helpless village. I was frantic as I looked over the shore strewn with remains of frail stick houses that were now piled in heaps along the sands, never to be able to be picked through and rebuilt again, realizing that another wave may soon be following. I ran on top of the wooden structure, tearing through pieces of twisted, corrugated roofs. I ripped through the discarded remains of a demo- that looked like a demo- uh, demolition project. I-, I tore up one piece after another, running over boards of broken beams, until I finally heard the whimper of a child under a mattress that had gotten lodged beneath an overturned car. As I reached under and pulled up my little son Robbie, I tucked him under my arm like a football player running for the end zone. Then I sprinted over all that debris until I reached my wife. We ran for higher ground, hugging our child and another thanking God for His mercy. Then my wife looked at me and said, Bully, your feet, your hands, you're covered in blood. 
he said, I'd been wearing tennis shoes. And I didn't realize that I ran, as I ran over the wreckage, I was stepping on protruding nails and screws and wires that had been exposed in the rubble. He said, as I pulled back the torn corrugated roofing, looking for Bobby, he said, the sharp edges tore deep cuts into my hands. He said, I was so intent on finding my boy that nothing else mattered. And now, he says, I walk around with scars on my hands and on my feet. Deep wounds. He said, I even had deep wounds of the mind. He said, one day I woke up and I said, these scars are not a reminder of the tragicness of my life. But they're a reminder that my son is still alive. Oh my God, there are some of you sitting in here. There's a battle going on right now. Right here. You say, look at my scars. I have many. But it's time to stop dwelling on those things of the past. <laughs> it's time to start dwelling on why there's scars now and not open wounds. There's a battlefield in your mind and the Lord wants to bring peace. There's people right here that are, have oppression spirits that are upon them. The Lord wants to bring peace. And I pray right now, Lord, I've done the very best I can. God. I've done the very best I can, Lord. God, there are many that are, have battles in their mind today. There are scars in their mind. They keep picking at them. And they will never heal until they allow the peace of God that passes all understanding to come in their heart and life and they reject what is happening. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you will, God, touch every single man and woman. Holy Ghost, would you go and battle of the mind, past, the pain, sorrow. Clear it away. For any oppressive spirit that has tried to attach and has attached themselves to these Wonderful men and women of God. I pray against it in the name of Jesus. I pray against alcohol. I pray against diabetes. I, I pray against drugs. I, I pray against, Lord, the, the devices, the enemy of this world. We proclaim peace and life. And we think on the good things. 
Lord, we think on the good things. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Jesus, I love you. I feel the Holy Ghost is making, doing a work. Will you allow Him to do a work on your mind? Will you allow Him to do a work on your heart? Oh, there's a deep move of the Spirit in this place. Because you care, I couldn't imagine. Come on, that's it. Cry out to God here. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Jesus, I love you. Jesus! Come on, that's it. You've been battling way too long. Your mind's been playing games on you. Your mind's been playing tricks with you. But God wants you to become whole here today. He wants you to become complete. Jesus is saying, look at my hands. Look at my feet. Look at my side. Look at the scars. Look at the scars. I did that for you. My scars are not a reminder of my pain. They're a reminder of what I did for your future. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Come on, that's it. Just in your own way. In your own way. In your own way. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Oh, our fight is in the spiritual realm here. Oh, it's not just flesh and blood, but it's spirits and principalities. Don't allow the devil to oppress you any longer. Don't allow the oppressive spirit to the blanket that has been tried to put over your spirit. Don't allow it to last in your life and in your heart and in your mind any longer. Think about how good you are. God, you are so good. Your mercy endureth for all generations. Lord, I'm so thankful you love me. Lord, I proclaim your miracles and your signs and wonders. I thank you that I have seen miracles happen with my own eyes. Lord, I'm going to think about what's lovely. I'm going to think about what's pure. Lord, I'm going to think about the good things in my life. and I'm not going to think about the bad things, Lord. They might be there when I leave, but I'm going to just proclaim, keep proclaiming you and keep proclaiming your will in my life. If you weren't there, oh Jesus, Jesus, I love you because you care. I couldn't imagine if you were not there. Jesus, I love you, I love you. Can you say it this morning? Jesus, I love you, I love 
you make this your prayer here today? I love you, I love you Because you care Come on, that's it, sing it out Jesus, I love you, I love you Jesus, I love you, I love you Jesus, I love you, I love you Because you care And I love you And I love you I love you, Jesus Oh, I love you. I love you. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to keep singing for a little while up here. You stay as long as you would like. I make one more call, one more plea. Jesus loves you so much. Your life has not gone the way you imagined or you envisioned. You never thought you were going to have to battle suicidal thoughts. You never thought you were going to have to battle depression. But the Lord knew, and that's why He came to this church today on this side said there might only be one man or one woman that I'm reaching for but I came just for you to bring you out in the battlefield of the mind and to set you free I love you all so very much go in victory today God is with you he has not forgotten you you can defeat the battlefield of the mind through the Holy Spirit. And just like that man who had all the devils of the legion, he can bring you out too. I love you all. God bless you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Because you care. Oh, Jesus, I love you. I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Because you care. Jesus, I love you. Because you care, Jesus cares, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> if you were not there, oh, Jesus, I love you. 
oh, because you care. I couldn't imagine. 